Have you ever struggled to cope with a mental rough patch? Maybe you had to really work to do anything beyond the bare minimum. Maybe you were always tired. Maybe you watched the days, weeks, and months start passing you by. You might have noticed your emotions going up and down, and one day realized your emotions weren't there at all anymore. Maybe then you realized this was more than a rough patch. This is Thirsty the Podcast, making it mentally. Okay, so today we're doing one of our episodes where we're not really talking about dating, but we're talking about some of the other experiences we've had where we took away a big life lesson that we think are is beneficial to talk about. And today we're talking about mental health. Um, one thing that I'm a little bit passionate about is you hear a lot about wellness then, and there is a difference between mental health and mental wellness and self-care. Like those are all somewhat different. Like there's feeling stressed, there's feeling sad, there's maybe having some struggles here and there. And then there is having actual mental illness or mental health, which those are diagnosed conditions. Those are things like depression anxiety, you know, then much more serious things um, that obviously you can be diagnosed with. So that's just one thing I want to draw a distinction between that today we're talking about like actual struggling with depression and anxiety and things like that. And the big thing to do to say here is that, you know, this is just my personal experience that I wanted to share with people because I know I'm not the only person. A lot of people struggle with what I went through or manage on my own, um, but it's just my personal experience. This is not medical advice. This is not in any way, um, this is just meant to share things that I've been through that maybe would help you feel like you're less alone and maybe there's some things you could try. But if you are in a bad place, you need to get actual help, like from a, a actual professional, but it's not me, <laughs> you know, or your friends. You know, like you need to talk to someone who is actually a doctor that can help you. So after we got that part, that very important disclaimer out of the way, um, so for me, I actually have struggled quite a bit with depression and anxiety um, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Some of it is just, there's some big things that have happened in my life that I just never processed. Um, you know, I grew up, this is something Laura and I have talked about quite a bit. I grew up in a big family, evangelical Christianity, um, and there were some things that happened, you know, there that really made a big impact on me. And I just, I think whenever you live in a high stress environment, um, you really start developing these unhealthy coping mechanisms. And one of those is that you want to be strong. You say things like, oh, that didn't hurt me. You know, and like, if someone is hurting you, you want to show that like, you're tough. Like, oh, well, that's fine. You didn't hurt me. I'm fine. And that's actually a really, you know, you want to show that it didn't impact you until you're older and you look back on it. And I know I definitely had this moment. I was like, oh, that was the impact. Me acting like I was fine and I'm a survivor and all these things happened to me, but I'm okay. <laughs> that was me not being okay. That was me not processing it. That was me pretending that this big thing that happened to me was not as bad as it was. Um, and I think over time that can really build up, you know, like I had things from when I was a kid, from college, all kinds of things. And it all kind of came to a head, um, when I left my marriage. And I remember I talked to one of my siblings about this and, you know, I just asked her, I said, why am I struggling so much? Because I had started, um, really exhibiting signs of real depression. Like every day was a fight. I was starting to have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, you know, we were all working at home. It was COVID. So it's already tough, right? You know, 
we're all isolated. Um, you know, I felt like I was going through this huge life change. So that's tough right there. But I started noticing it was more than being sad. There's being sad and then there's being depressed. And those are two very different things. You know, I noticed that I was exhausted all the time that I was in the morning struggling to get out of bed at all. So I would literally get up, do my work, take care of my kids, go right back to bed. And I was doing that every day for weeks, months at a time, um, just barely getting by. It felt like every day uh, was a fight just to get through it, to do basic things like taking showers, eating, getting functional things done, paying my bills. And I was getting it done, but it was so hard. It was so hard for me to do that. Do you feel like the pandemic made it worse because you were kind of, you know, we were all in this kind of weird limbo of being at home. It's hard to have accountability. You can't see your friends. Like, do you think things would have gone a different direction had life been normal and support systems been available? Yeah. Cause I mean, I think I w- it was easy for me to pretend I was fine because like nobody would have caught it. I'm not going to an office. Um, we were all very isolated. I don't have any family in Chicago. So the only people I was seeing were my kids. That mm-hmm. was it. I wasn't seeing anybody else in person. Cause this was before vaccines. Um, and Chicago was in hardcore lockdown at that point. Nobody saw me, you know, the only people that saw me would be maybe my colleagues on zoom or once in a while, girlfriends with a zoom night. And I was really good at faking it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like turning it on. Um, because I w- in my mind, I was fighting to be okay, but I wasn't, you know, and I don't think anybody else would have known because, we were all in our houses. Nobody saw us. We didn't really have to interact much. And it was in these little spurts where it's easy to fake it for like an hour zoom call or whatever. And I was getting my work done. Like I, even though it was so hard for me to get the courage and the energy to get the things done that I need to get done, technically they were happening. Uh, even though, you know, I was getting up pretty much crawling to my desk to get my stuff done and then going right back to bed. Yeah. And it's just so interesting that again, like we couldn't have people over to our home. So like cleaning your house, like there was literally nothing to keep you accountable. And if you're functioning at an okay level, then like, that's fine. Like something slipped, but if you are struggling, that's even harder because you don't have any checks and balances to kind of make sure that the basic, you know, like our kids help us make sure that the basics are there, that we've got food in the, in the house and clean laundry and those things. But beyond that, it's really, really tough to keep things happening how they need to be because nobody has a lens into your home at all. So it's very yeah. different. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I happen to have grown up around and had a number of people in my life who had serious mental illness. You know, I have a brother who, um, he had schizophrenia, major depression, some other things, and he lost his life due to it. Um, so I just, I know a lot about the stuff. And so I was, I was actually starting to be concerned about myself. You know, there's nobody else that saw me or that would have known, but I was starting to be concerned about myself because I noticed one thing that I don't, if you have never dealt with actual diagnosed depression, when you know it's getting serious is when you don't have any feelings anymore. Like when you just, um, it's not even that you don't care. It's literally nothing. You can't get excited. You can't Mm -hmm. get sad. It's like nothing. That's kind of the threshold where it's like, oh, you, you need to do something about this. Like you need to get help. Um, and I saw that in myself and I had started talking to, um, 
you know, I'm really close to several of my siblings and, and we're all really supportive of each other. And I remember two of my siblings who I text with all day, every day, I, I finally got the curse say, Hey, I am really struggling with this. And I appreciated that they didn't freak out because it's hard to say it because like, and in our family, especially, cause we did lose a brother to it. You know, if one of us says, Hey, I'm really struggling. Um, and it's real, we hesitate to say that because we don't want anyone to get worried because like nothing bad was going to happen. Like it was not mm-hmm. like that, but like I knew it was serious and I did need help, but I didn't want to scare them because they couldn't even come up here. You couldn't travel. You couldn't go anywhere. It was literally like hope for the best, you know? And I think, especially in our family, that's really hard to do because um, the worst case scenario had already happened. Um, but I brought it up to them and they actually, I remember, um, so there's a mental health crisis in this country, as most people know. Um, I remember I called uh, my hospital system because we have some really great hospitals and, and healthcare systems here in Chicago. And uh, they were booking nine months out. You couldn't get in with a psychiatrist for months and months and months, which that was too long. That was way too long. Um, my my two siblings actually, uh, they helped me find a telehealth, which I will recommend. I, I don't feel like I can give the the name of the place that I tried, but if you Google, you can find them that are telehealth outlets where you can go in, you talk to an actual doctor, they can get you in quickly um, and assess you and diagnose you. Um, there's certain things that they cannot help with, um, but things like depression, anxiety, sleep disorders, um, even some PTSD, they can help with that. So I got hooked up with them, um, you know, and they, they did, they got me help. I think in general too, like one of the upsides of the pandemic and the shift to a lot of things being available remotely or through zoom or whatever, just general therapy, um, is so much more accessible. Now I see my therapist on zoom and it's super convenient. I don't have to go through any extra logistics in my day to like get a session with her. Um, while I do miss like the in-person, you know, part of therapy, cause I did, I did like that it's really easy to like make it part of your routine and just build it in because you don't have to do anything extra. I'm sitting at my laptop all day long anyway on calls. And so it's just like adding a call into my day when I need it. So that's been a huge plus because that was not available, you know, before the pandemic in that way. Yeah. I mean, cause even though you know, lines are so backed up now there are, especially with therapists, like I'm my therapist too. It's all by, I used to go to her office and now I don't see a world where I'm ever going back to her office. Like no matter what, it's so easy. Like, you know, and I, for me, I don't think therapy is necessarily for me is necessarily better in person. Uh, but yeah, my there, I see a therapist too every week, every two weeks. Um, yeah, over zoom and it's great. Um, there's just a lot more. I think people have had to figure out ways to address mental health crisis, you know, and ways to try to get people help because more and more people need it. Um, so some of the things that I was thinking about, and I think were kind of my cute, well, there are a few things. One, I knew I was doing everything I could do. I was eating well. Um, I was in therapy. I was exercising every day. I was trying my best to stay social. Like I was really trying, I was doing everything I could that was within my power. Um, And I think that was the point where I realized, wow, I really have done everything I need to do. I think it's time I need to like actually get on meds. I've never been on meds my entire life. Like I've always had low level anxiety and depression, but I think COVID getting a divorce, some of the other things that are going on in my life. Um, I did have a really interesting conversation with one of my siblings. And I remember just talking to her and saying, 
I don't understand why I'm having like all of a sudden this crippling depression. It has never been this bad ever. You know, like I might have hard times, hard days that were more than being sad, but they didn't last more than a couple of days. This was like months at a time and I could barely function. And I was just so confused. I was like, why is it? I know I'm getting a divorce, but this seems like really over the top. And she said something really interesting. She said, I think whenever you have your whole life built on trying to hang on, you know, to a marriage that's struggling, when you have things going on in your life that you were just trying to hold it together, you're white knuckling, so that can actually become a thing where you are not dealing and confronting with the things you need to deal with in yourself. Cause it's so easy to be distracted and just like focus on keeping your family together, focus on your job, focus on all these other things that are going on. You're going through a divorce there's COVID going on. You're with yourself probably way more than you've ever. I mean, this is true. Like I grew up in a big <laughs> family. I have never spent this much time alone ever my entire life. You know, it's just me and my thoughts, uh, you know, my Peloton, <laughs> you know, <the> things <laughs> I can find to do around here. Um, and I, th- I think my sister was right. I think she was totally right about that. Like all this energy I put into other things, other people were really distractions that I had this whole lifetime of trauma built up. Um, and then genetic predisposition to depression. And it just all like coalesced and it came to this reckoning. Um, thank you, COVID, <laughs> you know, where I was just with myself all the time. And I finally have had to deal with it. And I, I think she was right about that when she said my sister is very smart. <laughs> so I think she was correct about that. Um, I mean, I do know for me, like finally, it was really hard for me to agree to get on meds. Um, you know, I'm not on anything hardcore, but it, uh, I think it was hard for me. Like you see all these people that are, um, it's hard to realize you are one of those people that need help. Um, you know, I think I always, I didn't want to, it, whenever bad things happen in your life, you don't want to have to admit that it made a negative impact on you. Cause it's like the bad thing won. You know, you mm-hmm. want to be like, Oh, you tried to take me down. I'm fine. And I know I definitely felt that way. And I remember my therapist one time said, you know, that attitude is not serving you. Like that did hurt you. It did make an impact on you. And you know what you're, if you want your life to actually get better, you need to admit that and do and get help and do something about it. And, um, I mean, I appreciate having some tough talk people in my life that would say it, say things like that. Um, and it's made a big positive difference, you know, like therapy, I'm still doing everything in my power. Like it's my responsibility to eat well. It's my responsibility to work out. Um, it's my responsibility to take care of myself, to make good, healthy choices, um, to work hard in therapy. Like that's all my responsibility that doesn't go away just cause you're like seeing a psychiatrist and on meds and all of that. Like, that's not a, that's not just going to fix it. You know, like that's the thing that's going to get you to a place where you can work on yourself, where you're not so crippled by depression that you can't live your life. It gets you to a decent area to where you can be that responsible person confronting all the things you have going on in your life that you need to deal with so that you can make the second half of your life better than the first. So all that to say, if anyone is like unsure about getting help, like it took me a long time to get to that place, but I really, it it can't hurt. It really can't hurt. And the thing is you can try it. And if it's not helping you, if it's not for you, that's okay. You can stop, you know? And I just think there's a lot of things that I think you need to think about them as either a one-way door or two-way door and getting help for a mental health issue. Just try it, just try it and see if it feels better. I think it's hard to take that step, but remembering that it's not forever. If it doesn't work for you, if it's not your thing, that's okay. You can try something else or back off of it. It's not, it's not permanent. 
One thing I would say, there are a few big things that I learned, I think, from going through this experience. One thing that I thought was interesting is that, you know, the my big learning about needing to ask for help, being honest about what was going on in my life, I lost friends over it, which I thought that was interesting. Like, I think that process of whenever you are learning and growing and evolving, and I know, Lori, you and I have talked about this a little bit. Sometimes it's divorce. It could be a job change. It could be any positive change you make in your life. You can lose people in your in your circle over it because you're not the same person you were before, you know? So one of the big lessons I learned was about coping, you know, like learning. I'm always someone that says, yes, I feel a responsibility to take care of things. I don't opt out, um, you know, and making it okay to say no to things because you need to, or to remove factors from your life that are making you stressed. I did go through a process of eliminating thing after thing after thing that I didn't need to do, wasn't making me happy, was stressing me out, keeping me from sleeping. I eliminated it, just got rid of it. And I didn't care if other people were depending on me for it, unless it was my kids. But you know, I, I created a really tight circle where I just eliminated it and got rid of so many things. That's one big thing I would say. And another thing I learned a lot about was acceptance. Sometimes people struggle with acceptance that what happened to you is okay. And that's not what that means. It means that you understand that it happened, you know, cause there's a lot of things that have happened in my life. You know, like getting a divorce. Some of the other things that have happened in my life. I don't think it's okay. I'm not happy it happened, but I accept it. Um, and I think that's critical for being able to move on um, or move through the big things that happen in your life. And we've talked about this a little bit too, when it comes to mental health, armchair diagnosis, like when it comes to dating, <laughs> this is kind of a funny thing. This is something that drives me nuts. I am always reading in Facebook groups, calling someone they dated a narcissist, which drives me nuts. Everywhere I, it, right now, everybody is a narcissist. I think that's, that's what's out yeah. there. That's what we're learning. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes people say you're a narcissist and they just really mean you're selfish or self-involved. Mm -hmm. Like that's what that is. Like narcissism is an actual disorder and that drives me a little bit nuts. Um, yeah. And then there's also like in dating and like, I have to, I don't feel like I do this too much, but I do feel like I see it a lot. Like when things don't go well with someone you're dating, I think it's kind of natural for people to say things like they try to dismiss why things went wrong. Like they'll say things like, oh, well, they're just a messed up person or, you know, instead of just saying, you know what, it just didn't work out or they're just not into me or I'm not into them or we're not compatible. You know, they'll start like acting like that person is just the worst, most damaged person in the world. Um, which I think is kind of interesting. Like, why do we do that as a defense mechanism? Like there's something wrong with this other person that they wouldn't want to be with us. Like, I, yes. I don't know what it is. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. I think. <laughs> I think probably the last thing I would think about a lot when thinking about like the last year and trying to move through being my depression and anxiety and getting a hold on that and managing it is caring less and letting go when it comes to things that aren't that super, super important. Um, the same sister who is clearly very wise. She also told me once, uh, she said, you know what, Heather, I think you need to care less. She said, I think you would be less stressed if you would like take it down a notch. <laughs> and I know it sounds so counterintuitive because like, you know, we all want to do well in life and be successful and work really hard. And she was like, but you can't go at level 10 on everything. She said, pick a few things at level 10 and other things, you know what, if it's mediocre, it's probably okay. You know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think she was right. I think she was right about that. Like some things that are a lot of things, they don't have to be amazing. Like B, B, a grade of a B is perfectly fine for a lot of things. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think also, again, you know, the plus and the minus of kind of your process during the pandemic and the stuff that made it hard because you were on your own a lot and there, you know, support systems weren't available. You couldn't go places, all of that stuff made it really hard, but at least, you know, I can say from how I have felt during this time, which again, my experience is different than yours, but COVID also allowed us to, you know, take some of those things away and take some of the noise away and the things that, you know, that were on your plate and like may not exist anymore because they may be things that you're not doing anymore, or you can just, you know, let go of certain things because at least I feel more in control of how I'm using my time. It's a more, you know, who am I seeing? There were so many things that we would do before that were social things that maybe you didn't want to, but you went because you felt like you should. And it was a lot of noise and a lot of that is gone. And that probably was a challenge for you too, because a lot of noise was gone in that way where you did have to kind of, you know, deal with some things that you hadn't been dealing with. But then as you rebuild, you get to kind of put those pieces back in of what you want and you get to leave aside the things that weren't working before that I think in pre-COVID life, we weren't equipped to be able to get rid of those things. They just continued to pile on. And that was really hard. You feel like, I mean, I think we've, probably all across the whole globe, most people have experienced this, you know, the stripping away of so many things from everyday life that just don't exist anymore. You know, cause I talked a little bit earlier about how just me and my thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. here and whoever I happen to see on zoom that day. Um, how do you feel like that was for you? Like, I feel like for everybody, like we all went, like maybe there wasn't a depression and anxiety thing, but there was definitely, more time for self self reflection, and it could be an opportunity, or it could be a really negative thing. Now all those distractions are gone. That helped me not think about those things. Like, do you feel like you did more self reflection, or how was that for you? Yeah, well, I mean, I think people who know me pretty well would probably like jokingly say that I'm a bit of an introvert, and I, I probably am. But I think my challenge over the past year and a half, two years, wherever we're at in this thing is that, you know, it has been really hard for me to not have a lot of social interaction. And I've definitely struggled with that in a way that like pre-pandemic me would have, would not have realized how much I, I needed the social interaction that I am not getting now. I am home so much. If my kids aren't with me, I am often alone a lot. And I was worried about going into another winter and being alone. And because I know the last winter, I really did struggle um, of being solo a lot, being stuck in my house because the weather is terrible here in Chicago in the winter. And so it's snowy and it's cold and I'm alone in my house and I can't socialize. And we're kind of seeing another wave of that right now where it is really, really hard. So you know, it's been, you know, for me challenging, but then also I kind of see the things that I've been able to build back in and a part, you know, I've started writing in a journal again, which I used to do all the time and that was gone. And I've built that back in and I've been reading a lot more than I had in a long time, um, which, you know, I'm enjoying a lot. I'm working out every day because I have the time to prioritize it. And for me, and like the idea of mental wellness and what I can do for myself, that has been a really huge boost to my mood and how I feel. And I think 
you know, I started off strong last winter as well with regular workouts. And I think that did, you know, help and it's continuing to help this winter. So there've been a lot of things where I can really sit and think of, you know, what's a priority for me. What do I want to do? Because I'm not commuting two hours a day and I rushing around constantly. I'm like the opposite of rushing around now because there's nowhere to go. So I'm sitting in my house, but, um, it's definitely been a lot nicer for me to think about what are the things that make me feel really good? What can I accomplish? What, what do I want, you know, in my life to, I think I'm the happiest I've been in a really long time, but I think it took like a full year of like being single during a pandemic and really having to same thing as you kind of sit with my thoughts a little bit more and really think and figure out who I am. So do I love it? No, um, (laughs) I I do miss people, Uh, but there is again, the benefit that I've never had life just kind of sit still for a little bit and being able to really just take that time, especially as a parent of a bunch of young kids, like the past 10 years have been a little wild. And so for things to calm down, that has been really great. Yeah. And it it made me think a lot too about, um, I mean, that was really kind of a wake up moment for me when I was thinking about, you know, cause on the one hand, it felt like, oh, my mental health is taking a big dip right? Because I felt so terrible. I was having so many struggles. But now, you know, a year later, I look at it differently. It's not that it's gone away, but I feel like even though it felt so difficult, it was because I was actually dealing with it. Whereas before, it's not like it wasn't there. And it was showing up in my life and the choices I was making my relationships and, you know, other things. But it's not like that little locked box wasn't making an impact. You know, I just didn't feel it before. I wasn't dealing with it. And now the last year forced me to open it and deal with it. And even though it was so painful and so hard, that actually was part of the process of getting better. And I think that's something people have to be more um, brave about. It's like, if you want to really have a better life, you have to be brave and confront things. Cause we all, we all have stuff, unless you're like the luckiest person in the universe, we all have stuff. We all have stuff. Um, you know, and, and I did, I had a lot of things I need to deal with in myself. Um, you know, the depression thing was genetic. That was a genetic thing. So it was an actual diagnosed thing made worse by all of these things I never dealt with that were environmental in my life. And I think that combination, if you're not getting help, you have actual diagnosed depression and you're not de- you're just like locking away in a little lockbox, these big things that happen to you, that's a recipe for disaster. And so I just think that's interesting how like, it can feel so much easier. Like you're like, I feel happier. Yeah. But you're, you're not dealing with the things you need to deal with in your life. And it's showing up in how your life feels like getting a divorce or being in the wrong relationship or settling for less or not loving yourself. That's what that looks like when you have a little lockbox of bad things that you're not dealing with. There's something I, I say quite a bit. And I actually say it to remind myself, um, that the hard thing and the right thing is often the same thing. Um, and I just think that's interesting because I, I feel like so many people right now because of COVID have gone through a whole big self-reflection thing and it's been so hard. And part of you wonders like, is mental health suffering because it's so hard or is it you're confronting with things and which is it? I don't think there's anything else, but it was a rough year. It really was in that area. But I think um, it was worthwhile. Like, you know, I kind of think about, so I do endurance racing, triathlons and marathons and those things are so painful, but I'm so proud when it's over. Cause I know I worked, 
I worked my tail off. Um, and I did something that I didn't think I was capable of doing. That's kind of how I feel about my mental health journey the last year. I didn't want to do any of it. I'll tell you right now. I think a lot of times you have things that happen in your life and you're like, you know, I think I'm okay. Never thinking about that ever again, <laughs> you know, and that's a choice. And, and honestly, like, I don't fault anyone for dealing with anything that happened in your life, however you need. Um, but I am, I, I feel like that was the right thing for me to like, really take a hard look at the things that have happened in my life, how it shaped me, how I reacted to it, how like in some ways it made me a better person in other ways, it made me like, not so great, you know, where I was making choices that were bad for myself, uh, bad for other people, you know, getting myself into things that, that were coming from that locked box of stuff that I never really dealt with. Um, but I kind of feel like the last year was a marathon. I mean, I still have a long way to go and it was so painful, but I'm really, I feel good about it. I, I really would want to encourage other people out there that if you are struggling with something and it's more than sad, you know, like it, it's starting to tip over into something that is really crippling. Or if you find yourself making unhealthy choices on a regular basis, I would encourage you to get help. Like, it's not that scary. It's actually not, it's not that you can do it. You really can. Like if I can do it, anybody can do it. And I don't know. I, I feel like life is a gift and we owe it to ourselves. If we love ourselves to get the most out of it and you can't get the most out of it. If you are, um, if you are not dealing with some of the things in your life that you need some help with. That's all. I think it's probably the biggest thing I would say for me anyway. Yeah. And I think being able to sit here and talk about it is, you know, a huge accomplishment to, I think it's often really hard to like sit and say those things and really like facing it in that way and acknowledging like, you know, everything that happened and all the really hard stuff. And to be able to talk about what you gain from that is a good sign that like you are doing the things that you need to do for yourself to be in your healthiest place, which is huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, and someone, um, Funnily, this was on a date and I hadn't used this term before, but I was like, I love that. Um, his teacher, and he was talking to me about how he was talking to his class about self-compassion. Um, and I really love that term. Like, and I've started to try to think about that for myself. Like whenever I'm so hard on myself, no one's harder on me than me. Mm -hmm. Um, but starting to have more self-compassion where I'm treating myself better, you know, and I, I, that was something I never did before. I, you know, I put myself last and I think a lot of moms would probably agree with mm -hmm. that, Put yourself last, you don't matter, you know? And like, maybe you would never, never say Like I would have never said out loud, oh, I don't think I don't matter, but I wouldn't go get haircuts. I wouldn't like go let myself be cute. I wouldn't go out to dinner with my girlfriends. I wasn't working out. That's me acting like I don't matter, mm -hmm. you know? And so I've been thinking about that, you know, when he talked to me about that idea a lot. And I think that's a really good thing. I've, I've definitely started trying to like think about on a regular basis. Am I having self-compassion, um, which I think is a little deeper than say self-care. It's like giving yourself grace when you make bad mistakes and like, and not raking yourself over the coals for it either. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with that. It's tough to do. It's yeah. tough to do, but it's yep. important. I think that's it for this week. Thank you everyone. Bye. Bye. Still thirsty? Check us out on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and thirstythepodcast.com. Say hi, send a note, share a story with us because sometimes life leaves you wanting just a little bit more.